Today we bring you a story out of Colorado that's, well, pretty crappy. We're also going to talk about a tale of one of the most well-documented cases in the history of UFOs. Those stories and more coming up on this tantalizing episode. You're listening to the Mr. Cemetery Show, the podcast that's dedicated to the dark corners of the world. From weird news to historical oddities and the unexplained mysteries, here's your host, Mr. Cemetery. Hello and welcome to the show, you sick, twisted freaks. Thanks for joining us here today on this December morning, or maybe you're listening to us June 18th. Who the hell knows when you're listening to this episode, but thank you for joining us. This is the Mr. Cemetery Show. I am Josh. And I'm Krista. We appreciate you joining us here today. Good morning, Krista. How are you doing? I'm here. You're here? I'm here. I opened my little eyes this morning and oh, I woke up again. Well, that's good. Yeah, we made it to December. Uh. <laughs> it's fucking December. I cannot believe it. This year has gone by quick. Not quick enough. Not quick enough? <laughs> Quicker? Yeah. Damn. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. 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 Now? Not now. Wow. Wow? Yes. How now, brown cow? Mm-hmm. And I pulled my thumb out. <laughs> Only us will get that. <laughs> As of Halloween, we're going to do our favorite Christmas movies. Where we pick three movies or Christmas specials to get us through this week to start off the Christmas season. We will call this Mr. Cemetery's Merry Creepsmas. Creepy. Yeah. Yeah. Creepy Creepsmas? Mm-hmm. Say that three times fast. I can't. Can we say three times fast, fast? About <laughs> mess that all up. <laughs> right. Well, you go first. I do. Yes. Ladies go first. I wore a dress, but we won't get into that. But you, you are the lady. Pretty in a dress. I did look beautiful. What do you got? Okay, I've got the Hog Father. The Hog Father. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's like Harry Potter meets Nightmare Before Christmas. It's the weirdest fucking movie I've ever seen. <laughs> I- I don't even know how I found it. It was accident, and I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> it was just one of the accidental things I found. And it's great. Great. Number two, Gremlins. Gremlins. Get, get mad at me for that. <laughs> I so ruined Gremlins for you. <laughs> <laughs> and yes. Should I ruin it for everyone else? Yes, because you ruined it for me. <laughs> Everybody else is going to have to suffer now, too. So when you're listening to... The Gremlins, and you realize the voice is Howie Mandel, and all you will hear is Bobby from Bobby's World. It's fucking hilarious. It is pretty funny. <laughs> I don't know. It might have improved it. It's kind of funny. But the whole movie, I all I can think of was Bobby's World, and it just kills it for me. What else you got? Die Hard. Yes. <laughs> a lot of people get mad about that. It was a Christmas party that was going on through the movie. It so is. It's Christmas. Gremlins Christmas, Die Hard is Christmas. I totally agree. All right. I have The Nightmare Before Christmas because I got a lot of shit from the Halloween list that we did that yeah. this was not on there. This is a Christmas movie. Even Tim Burton said so himself. It, so Yeah, it's more about Christmas than it is. Yes. Nah, 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 nah. Christmas movie. Next up is Edward Scissorhands because, again, this goes back to the last thing. I got shit about it. <laughs> and it is also a Christmas movie. Yes. So it's on there. And that a Johnny Depp, he a making me cry. <laughs> That's all I can think of. <laughs> Wait, they thought it was a Halloween? Yeah. Never. 
It was Halloween. It was Christmas. It's Christmas. Do you know what the, the, the Johnny Depp are here making me cry is from? No. Seinfeld. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Silent Night, Deadly Night. I've never seen that one. Never seen it. I don't think so. It's about an orphan raised by nuns growing up to be a killer and a toy, as a toy store Santa. Ooh, creepy. Creepy. Sounds Hence, like a good one. Mr. Cemetery's Merry Creepsmas. <laughs> I gotta throw in some horror films. We need listener stories, people. We know you got them. Send us over your personal experiences, haunted, spooky, or just plain weird. Whatever you got, send them to us at the Mister Cemetery Show at gmail dot com. There's a link in the show notes. So send us your stories, or the little bunny rabbit dies. I need Dang a bunny dude. rabbit. I know. Well, <laughs> that's hard. I, I also like to remind everyone that the unicorn is the national animal of Scotland. Unicorns ain't real. <laughs> <laughs> We won't get into that, but although it is a fable creature, the national animal of Scotland is actually the mythical creature, chosen because of association with dominance, chivalry, as well as purity and innocence in the Celtic mythology. So now you know. Mm, now I know. Now you know. You know what time it is? What time it is? It's time for some weird-ass news! Colorado leans the nation in dog poo complaints, a study finds. Colorado ranks the first in the nation's most dog poo complaints, according to a recent study. A study by Protect My Paws, a company that helps customers find pet insurance, analyzed tweets with a number of poo-related keywords, for example, dog poo and stepped-in poo, to reveal that the dog poo capital of America, according to a news release. It sounds like a crappy job. It's very, very crappy. I need you to go down and search for dog poo all day. Fuck you. You're right. <laughs> Colorado needs a nation with 15.4 tweets annually per 100,000 population with poo-related keyword complaints, according to the study. Oregon came in a whisker close, second at 15.3. California brings up the rear with 9.2. The state of Colorado is known for its vivid landscapes, mountains, forests, canyons, rivers, and desert lands. If you're in a natural scenic beauty, Colorado is heaven. It also appears to be the dog poop capital, too. The state with the least amount of dog poop complaints, according to the study, is Delaware at 1.5. Vegetit. Mm-hmm. Very, very stinky. Stinky? Or stuffed in a stinky. Mm-hmm. You put it in a brown paper bag. Light it. Fire! The Mr. Cemetery Show will return after these messages. Too scared to sleep? Then get some coffee. Check out our haunting friends over at Sinister Coffee and Creamery. They have the perfect coffee to help you stay awake. Whether you're looking for whole beans, ground, or organic coffee pods, Sinister Coffee and Creamery has you covered. Their beans are prepared in small batches to ensure a gourmet roast that will have you screaming for more. Check them out at SinisterCoffeeandCreamery.com and use our special discount code CEMETERY10 to save 10% off your order. Again, that's SinisterCoffeeandCreamery.com. Use discount code CEMETERY10 to save 10% off your order. Are you in the spine-tingling crime stories? The Krista McKibben's Hatchet Man book is for you. It's a chilling tale set in the 1800s about one of America's earliest serial killers, whose disturbing crimes occurred in both Ohio and Maryland. The book also includes a full trial and confession as told by the Baltimore Sun. Hatchet Man by Krista McKibben is available on paperback and Kindle. 
only at Amazon.com. Now, back to the Mr. Cemetery Show. And we're back. I guess I go first today, huh? Yep. <laughs> dang, 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 doodly dang. This is one of the most significant and well-documented cases in the history of UFOs. Mind you, the incident goes by several different names. To some, it's called the Hopkinsville Goblin Case. To others, the Kelly Green Men Case. Historically, it's been deemed the Kelly Hopkinsville Encounter. Mm. On August 21st, 1955, two families, the Suttons and the Taylor, had come together for dinner at the Suttons Farmhouse, which was just outside the towns of Hopkinsville and Kelly in Kentucky. There were eight adults and three children inside the house. At 7 p.m., 21-year-old Billy Ray Taylor stepped outside to fetch water from a nearby well. He noticed a sudden flash of light and looked up into the sky and seen what he described as a saucer-shaped craft in the distance. He said it appeared to have bright rainbow color lights on the outside and it appeared to be crashing down in a nearby gully just outside the farm. Frightened, he ran back into the house in a panic and told everyone what he'd just seen. Although the others were spooked by how shaken Taylor seemed, they dismissed his sightings and insisted he had just seen a meteor. About an hour later, the two families started hearing strange noises outside. The Sutton's dog began barking loudly and they began frightened and running and hiding under the house. Billy Ray Taylor and Lucky Sutton went outside and saw glowing lights coming toward the farmhouse. And as it got closer, they saw a glow coming from a three and a half foot tall creature that resembled a goblin, with two long ears and large eyes. Its entire body was silver and metallic. The two men ran back inside the house. Billy Ray grabbed a rifle and Lucky grabbed a gun and they went back outside. When the creature was within 20 feet of the house, they began shooting at it as it approached. They heard noises like bullets being rattled inside of a metal drum. The creature scared away and the men went back inside. Once the two boys were in the living room, they saw another creature outside their window. They fired at the window and once again heard the rattling noise. The creature seemed to flip over and the men began to run outside as if they had struck it. As the men began to head outside of the porch, a woman screamed in horror as she saw a creature's hand reach down from the roof and take a swipe at Lucky Sutton's head. Lucky shot at the creature and it ran off the roof. He heard a noise to his right and noticed yet another one of the creatures perching on a tree limb. He shot at it and the creature fled. The men noted how strangely the creature seemed to move. Their legs always seemed to remain straight and their hips swayed from side to side as if they were wading through water. They even seemed to defy gravity when they jumped, floating in the air in small periods of time. They always emitted a dim glow that grew brighter when they moved. The men ran back inside their house to join their families, who at this point were all in a panic. For the next several hours, they huddled together and the creatures circled the house, picking at the windows and tapping at the walls. At 11 p.m., the families decided to make a run for it. They said, fuck it. They sprinted towards the cars and sped off to the police station. They relayed their terrifying encounter to the police, and although the authorities were skeptical at first, the families were so hysterical in fear that a total of 20 policemen headed down the road to the Sutton's farm to investigate it. Now, the police, they searched the house and the surrounding area, but found no sign of the creatures. They did briefly notice a green light in the woods beyond the farm. They also interviewed the neighbors who said they saw strange lights and heard loud noises coming from the Sutton farm. By 2.15 a.m., the police and the tailors had left the farmhouse, leaving the Suttons all alone. Convinced that the ordeal was all over, the Suttons went to bed. A little while after everyone was sleeping, Mrs. Langford, the matriarch of the Sutton family, heard a noise in her window, and that woke her up. She opened her eyes and noticed a dull glow coming from outside. Once her eyes focused enough to see clearly, she once again saw one of the creatures peering through the window. So she woke everyone up trying to remain as calm as possible. 
So at this point, Lucky Sutton grabbed his gun and shot the creature. But once again, it seemed to have no effect. They continued hearing noises for hours, and around 5 a.m., the noises stopped, and they never returned. When the story of the encounter at the Sutton farm hit the news, the family was ridiculed by the press. People showed up in droves to the farm, taking photos and trying to catch glimpses of what the newspapers dubbed as the Hopkinsville Goblins. The families were accused of being hoaxers, and many people went as far as say that they were under the influence of drugs and alcohols when the incident occurred. Both the Suttons and the Taylors never waved in their beliefs that what they saw was something out of this world. Over the years, people have proposed all kinds of explanations of the counter. The most popular witches of the creature is simply being a great horned owl, who vaguely resembles what the witness described and also known to be violently territorial. The light that Billy Ray Taylor saw in the sky could have been a meteor as there were several reported in the area at that time. Whatever they saw, the story lives on as one of the strangest alleged close encounters ever. So, with all that being said, do you think it's an owl? Or do you think it's Martians, aliens, goblins, heffalumps? What do you think? Hmm, I don't know. Um, then I think they've definitely seen something. Yeah. I mean, even the uh, the police seen a green light and yeah, the the witnesses have never and yeah, they're like, sticking to it. They're pretty to sincere. It. Yeah, to this day, I like, think the family still believes. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know either. I don't think it's an owl. I don't think so. Although owls can be tricky, they can be. We have learned this recently. <laughs> I have. <laughs> yes, owls can be tricky. Very. But three foot tall. Owl, I mean, I would. That's a big ass owl. That's a pretty big owl. And I would think, I mean, if, if it's where they live, they would probably know an owl. Yeah. And it Kentucky, doesn't explain the light. Owls don't glow unless there's something. Maybe there's something right I had a glow worm once. <laughs> I had a glow worm once. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. Some facts about the case that I didn't mention. This is the story of the origin of the little green men saying. But no one in the family said any word of the little green men. It was the newspapers who came up with it. Gotta sell the newspapers. Mm-hmm. Gotta sell Leave the Leave it to the media. Yeah. Also, the 1986 film Critters is loosely based on this case. I like Critters. Critters good. I ain't seen Critters in forever. The TV show Project Blue Book, the fourth episode of the second season, it also focuses on this case. And the Pokemon Sableye is actually based on the Kelly Hopkinsville's encounters. In the games, the gremlins walk the same way, is swaying back and forth, as described by the original witnesses. Mm. Yeah. And now you know. Now I know. Now you know. I've got the intriguing story of the Smurl family. My name is Earl? Nope. Smurl. Smurfs? No, but you don't know how many times autocorrect kept trying to write Smurfs instead <laughs> of Smurf. <laughs> the Smurf family. Uh-huh. I'm like, wait. <laughs> I'm going to read that later. (laughs) Okay. After flood damage forced a well-respected Catholic family from their home, the Smurls moved their family of six into a Chase Street duplex next to Jack Smurl's parents in West Pistson, Pennsylvania. Built in 1896, the duplex was a bit of a fixer-upper, so they put their efforts into repainting, retooling, and repairs. It was at this point strange occurrences began to happen. The beginning of 1974 was like any other until strange noises disrupted the calm. Odd things like the television, water pipes, and renovations got destroyed. The family had no explanation for this, but apparitions started to make themselves known to many family members. 
This continued for the next 11 years, with each week getting worse and worse. Disturbing voices and noises were always being heard, and temperatures began to drop to below freezing. The next stage, oppression was starting with the mother being targeted by the apparitions. She was being psychologically bound to the fact that she would always hear voices calling her. But they weren't done there because the final attempt of the infestation was going to leave a mark on the family. An apparition showed itself to two people within seconds of each other. The family couldn't imagine anything worse, but they were in for a horrifying surprise. It was now time for the demon and the other spirits to break the faith of the family and leave them a crumbling heap of mess. Nobody was spared in the violent attacks. All of the family members had targets on their backs. The evil presence wanted to see who would break first. Its seemingly first attempt nearly killed one of the daughters when a heavy ceiling light came crashing down narrowly, missing the girl by mere inches. The parents, daughters, and even the dog experienced terrible things. If being levitated and thrown wasn't enough, then the final step into possessions would be the damaging attempt. Both parents were attacked by a terrible beast named a succubus. The phenomena wasn't confined to Jack and Janet's side of the duplex. Jack's parents, John and Mary, were also subjected to frightening events. The house would become icy cold, and they would hear what appeared to be violent verbal fighting on Jack and Janet's side of the home with abusive and foul language. Even the neighbors were affected by the phenomena plaguing the Smurl family. Screams and loud noises were heard coming from the house, even when no one was home. Not all the neighbors were sympathetic, however. Some claimed the Smurl's story to be false, accusing them of trying to make money through book and movie deals about their haunted house after the media became involved. Months and months went by as the terror grew. Smurls were rebuffed by the Catholic Church as their claims were not taken seriously by the clergy who demanded more proof than they could provide. Things still worsened as Jack's mother suffered a devastating heart attack at home while the appearance of what only could be described as black masses floated throughout the home accompanying with them sudden room freezing temperatures. The months turned into years as the Smurls met every day firm with resolve and perseverance. The Smurls finally had enough of the torment and reached out for help. Only this time, it didn't come in the form of the Catholic Church, but instead came from a pair of paranormal investigators named Ed and Lorraine Warren. The Warrens concluded that there were four presences in the home. There were two women, with the younger being past the age of a teenager, who she felt had a malevolent tendency. Another was the spirit of a man who Lorraine felt had died in the home decades earlier or on the physical property itself. Finally, there was a powerful demon who reigned over the home and supernaturally forced the home's three spirits to torment the Smurls. Against such powerful odds, the Warrens put the family in touch with an Episcopal priest who came and performed an exorcism on the home. As the activity dwindled to a degree, word spread throughout the neighborhood and into the local media. Soon, news vans and reporters were stacked out on the neighbor block looking to break any new information. As a result, the Catholic Church sent a priest to live in the home briefly with the Smurls so as not to appear cold to the situation. After a half a week, the priest left due to no activity surfacing. However, the Smurls underwent a second and third exorcism shortly thereafter. Finally, in 1987, the family had enough of the activity in the home and moved. Weeks into their new home, the solitary black mass manifested and the terror slowly began again. Reaching out with one final plea, the family was able to procure a fourth and final exorcism, this time from the Catholic Church. Details about what went on during it were kept secret, 
but it was believed to be the longest and most powerful of the four exorcisms the family endured. Today, the family remains out of the paranormal spotlight. Both Jack's parents are now deceased, as is Jack himself, who died in 2017. Janet and her now adult daughter still reside near the West Pitson area and have reported no paranormal activity since that final exorcism. In May of 1991, the made-for-TV movie The Haunted debuted, a movie that was based on the book The Haunted, One Family's Nightmare that was published in 1988. And what do you think about that? Does the Catholic Church ever really help anyone? And when they do, why the hell does it take them so long to freaking get there and do something? I don't know. I don't understand that. Yeah, a lot of times they... It happens a lot. Yeah. I don't know. Do you say they threw the dog? Yeah, I think it didn't. My story didn't specifically say that, but I think I read in other accounts that the dog was thrown. Don't hurt my dog. Yeah, it's pretty low. Pretty Pretty crappy thing to do. Don't remodel a home unless you know what the land is. Right. That's. I was thinking that too. Like it always happens when remodels. Yeah, that's crazy. Come across that a lot in these stories. I don't understand why though. I don't know what it is about remodeling. It always does something, though. Mm-hmm. Do your research of the land before you remodel. Right. I'm still upset about the dog. Hurt my dog, I'm going to be real mad. <laughs> Imagine just sitting there and seeing your dog just fly across the room. Yeah, that would be pretty upsetting. Yeah. Hearing screams from the neighbors. Now, we've heard voices before mm-hmm. that sound like our daughter. Yeah. Let alone someone just screaming and fighting. That would be freaking freaky. That would be terrifying. You would think, you know, the neighbors would call. I, I didn't see any instances where authorities were called, you know, hey, there's something going on in the house next door. But they've, I apparently. Snitches get stitches. And back then, you mind your own business, basically, yeah. you know. But, I mean, yeah, there's neighbors that witnessed that they knew the family wasn't there, but they were hearing all kinds of commotion. That's kind of strange. I liked it, though. Mm-hmm. Good story. Pretty good story. Pretty good movie. Never seen the movie. I'll watch it. All right, that's going to wrap up this episode of The Mr. Cemetery Show. Follow us over on Instagram at The Mr. Cemetery Show, where we do dead of the day, fun facts, and other creepy stuff daily. So check that out. Until next time, I'm Josh. And I'm Krista. Thanks for listening to The Mr. Cemetery Show. See ya!